We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. You gotta follow me on Twitter. And it's Tuesday, March 28th. We're two days away. We're just over 48 hours away from the start of the Major League Baseball season. Continuing our primer on MLB DFS. If you if you missed any of these episodes, I'd go back a week. Last Monday, we started the MLB DFS primer. Go watch all those episodes as we lead up to the start of the long slog that is known as MLB DFS. I'll be on tomorrow also. Today and tomorrow, we'll be talking about leverage in MLB DFS. And then Thursday, we'll have Grinders Live early in the morning, 11 o'clock Eastern, right? A lot of Wednesdays and Thursdays. This show gets preempted by MLB Grinders Live because we have some uh, some uh, afternoon slates, but I will be on those shows also discussing the slate at hand. So it's appreciated that you uh, hit that thumbs up button. Give me those thummy thumbs early in the morning. Wake me up. The thummy thumbs wake me up. Okay, so hit that, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. I see you guys in the YouTube chat. The early birds, a lot of more more early birds than than usual before the stream even starts. Defic Wataz, real life pitcher, Bart B, MJC, Suki Singh, Daniel Hutchings, Neil Ogden's here with the retracted message. I guess okay, okay. If you got any questions? Feel free to post them in the YouTube chat. We're especially we're talking about leverage today, ownership, that type of stuff. Pri- primarily, 
almost exclusively for, for GPPs. Uh, but if you have any questions in general, this show is shaped by you, right? It's unstructured learning. So we're going to be talking about MLB DFS. We'll be talking about DFS in general, prop betting, sports betting, any, anything you want. Doesn't have to be MLB. It could be NBA. It could be NFL. It could be D- it could be anything. So submit those questions at questions at theoryofdfs.com. You submit the questions and I answer them. Pretty much that's how it works. Sometimes I let certain questions build up and then I cover certain topics. But definitely send in your questions. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. You can even put the banner on the, on the bottom if I could find it, I believe. It's right here. Right there. There you go. Okay. Okie doke. Good morning, Charles, in the, in the in the chat. So leverage. Okay. Leverage, ownership, stuff like that. Uh, for MLB DFS, ownership and leverage doesn't, like, differ that much from, uh, from sport to sport. But MLB has a certain nuance that other sports may not have as much of, and that's the correlative nature of lineups. Okay, we know in MLB DFS, we covered it last week, about correlation. A correlation, the, the, the strong correlations between batters on the same team in one lineup. They help each other. The projection goes up, right? The ceiling, the range of outcomes gets wider. The variance gets higher. The more batters you add for the same team into your lineup. And because of that, a lot of lineups... And GPPs will have stacks, right? That's what we call them, stacks of three, four, five batters from the same team, okay? And because of that, combinatorically, batters from the same team tend to appear in lineups together. Seems pretty straightforward, right? So we have the the, the Atlanta Braves. I'm using uh, our initial projections, which, I mean, probably aren't even that accurate for uh, for, for Thursday's slate as an example of the opening day of like lineups that have Ronald Acuna in it are more likely to have Austin Riley in it are more likely to have Matt Olson in it are more likely to have as Albies, Michael Harris, anyone on the Braves in it because people play stacks, right? Five, five batters from the same team on draft teams, four on FanDuel. So when you determine like what the ownership, the total ownership of your lineup in other sports like NBA, we kind of look at ownership some and go, oh, it's it's 160. And just like, okay, that's it is what it is, right? But in NBA DFS, players aren't as correlated to each other in other people's lineups. You may have some like value plays that are close that combinatorically, you may see certain lineup constructions be more owned than others. But in MLB, it's pretty straightforward that most Sean Murphy lineups at catcher or Travis Darno lineups at catcher are going to have Ronald Acuna in it. So like you can't necessarily treat the projected ownership of players individually when you're considering stacks. Okay. So let's say if you're playing, for instance, let's say, let's say we build a, a brave stack, right? Just manually, right? We have Acuna there. We get Riley, we get Olsen, get Albies and you get Michael Harris or something like that. Right. So we see so we see the, the projected ownership individually. Right. These are just examples. Okay. So don't use this as advice for, for Thursday slate. Right. So we have Olsen at eleven percent, Albies at fourteen, Riley at eighteen, Ronald Cooney at seventeen, Michael Harris at twelve. 
Now, if you listen to the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, right, the 15-hour audio DFS masterclass, you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. A lot of times we would consider, you know, like how unique is this lineup? What's the duplication of this lineup? And we use like product ownership or ownership sum, right? The ownership sum is 74.9, right? It says that right here, right? The product ownership would be 11 times 14 times 18, right? 0.11 times 0.14 times 0.18. And you'd go, oh, okay. How many lineups have Olsen and Albies, right? Well, 11% of Olsen, 14% of Albies, which means that a certain slice would have both. But because people build more correlated lineups, like the four, out of the 14% of lineups that have Albies, like 12% of the 14 have another Brave in it. Like only, maybe only 2% of people are actually using Albies as a one-off. Maybe out of the 18% Riley, 15% of that is with another Brave of some type. Right in a stack of some, some of one of you know, out of the, the nine batters. So Austin Riley's ownership isn't 18%. He is 18% overall, but maybe only 3% as a one off. Maybe Acuna out of the 17%, maybe 12 is in a stack of some type, and 5% are as a one off somewhere else. So when you're considering stacks, it's not individual player ownership that matters. It's stack ownership because look at the stack. You go like, oh, okay, not many people are going to have the, if, if you did product ownership and then you multiplied it by the number of contest entries, you would think that this, it's like, oh, great. There's only eight lineups that would have all, all of these players in it or whatever. I'm making up a number. But that isn't the case because if people stack the Braves, like all these players are more likely to be in the same lineup together, less likely to be as a one-off. They will be one-offs. But most of the ownership, a majority of it, are together. So I can say, as a heuristic, I view stack ownership as an average between all of the players. So, for instance, 11, if we did the exact average, 11 plus 14 plus 18 plus 17 plus 12, that gives us 72 divided by 5. That's 14.4. So instead of viewing this as like, oh, here are individual player ownerships, I just view this this five, the block of five players to be about 14% owned on average. Okay. And then you make the considerations in the rest of your lineup, right? You have three more batters and two more pitchers, right? So if you're playing even a team that is like low owned, right? I mean, Atlanta is probably going to be high owned on, on, on Thursday. But let's say we take, uh, let's say the Rays or like something, something even lower. Let's see. Can we find a really low team? The Twins, the Pirates, the Reds. I mean, based on our current projections, the Padres, the Rocky. Oh, the Rocky here, the Rockies. Right. These are low numbers. Right. Against Blake Snell. Right. Let's say we do a Rocky stack. Bryant, Crone. We don't care about salary. Just whatever. Blackman. And uh, and Diaz, right? So we look at this and we go, well, if we did product ownership, we'd go two, but you know, two percent times one percent times two percent times four percent times two percent, right? Divide by you know how many entry fees, and we go, oh, we're the only. It'll it'll say you're the only you're the only person in the line in, in the contest that has has all these five players together, but that isn't true. 
right? That would be true if people, if most lineups had these players as one-offs. But lineups that have Chris Bryant in it are more likely to have uh, CJ Crone in it, are more likely to have Ryan McMahon in it. So as a five-man stack, this isn't just, this is like a point oh 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 one type of occurrence. Like probably 1% of lineups, 2% of lineups have some combination of five Rockies in it, right? We do the average of two plus one is three, plus five is, plus uh, two is five, plus four is nine, plus two is 11 divided by five. So it's like two point something percent. So this block of players, heuristically, this is not exact, we're not, we're doing this bluntly, would be about 2% owned. Yeah, the total ownership is 13.42. Right. But in in actuality, like you could use the ownership some for like all the other players, right? The two pitchers, three one off, something like that. But for the stack, it's better to think in terms of, well, what's the average ownership of all this together and compare the average ownership to other to other lineups. So, like, for instance, the Braves, the average ownership of that stack was 14 percent. The average ownership of this stack is two percent. Right, even though that that uh, that Braves lineup, right, total ownership wise, the ownership sum is like what what what, what was it seventy two, and this is thirteen, right? Very big gap, right? Extremely big gap, but it's a much less of a gap from like fourteen percent owned to two percent owned, right? Still about seven x or so. One stack is about seven times more owned than the other. But you can't necessarily just use ownership sum or ownership product on 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 a on, on a line of construction that is typically built through correlation, because the players will be correlated in lineups together with one another. So when thinking in terms of leverage, for instance, like we went back to the Braves, and you say I'm going to build the Brave stack, but I'm not going to build the highest owned. Brave stack. I'm going to put Orlando Arcia instead of Al- Ozzy Albies in it, right? And go, I'm going to play him, and I'm going to play Ar- Ozuna instead of Harris, right? And do something something like this. Like, look, I'm playing a, I'm playing the Braves, but I'm playing Arcia and Ozuna with Acuna, Riley, and Olsen. Well, how owned on average is this stack? Obviously, how many Orlando Arcia lineups are there as one-offs? Probably barely any. So all 2.61%, most of 2.61% are in a Brave stack of some type, which has to include four of the Braves, which means the all, all the Arcia lineups, most of them, most, not all, but I would say majority of them will have Acuna in it, will have Ozuna. Like, so like, it's not the type of thing where like, oh, all I have to do is put in Orlando Arcia and once I, and look, look, 57% total ownership. There's a brave stack that is, is yeah, it's lower owned, but still like Riley and Acuna and Olsen are correlated to each other in other players' lineups. Now, yes, does it go down? Yeah, what's the average of all of these, right? 11 plus 2, 13 plus 18 is 31, plus 7, 38, plus 11 is 49, you know, 50 or so, like, now you're getting down to like 10% average ownership. So I would view this block 
bluntly, heuristically, as a 10% owned stack. Now, technically, like the, it, this, this five-player combination can't be 10% owned because RC is only 2% owned. But for the intensive, for the purposes of judging my lineup, I'm just going to put that whole block and make it an average, right? If you think in those terms, you could be more inclined to build stacks and build lineups that have enough leverage to win large field GPPs, to win any GPPs, right? Because if you did product ownership, I can put in the chalkiest people into a baseball lineup. And once you do product ownership, it would make it seem like, that lineup is not is not is going to be unique when it's not. It's going to be duplicated heavily. Or you're going to see a lot of 1v1s. It's going to be, you know, that lineup 2v2. Like one the one of it'll be a different catcher, a different outfielder, a different second pitcher, a different shortstop. And you'll be competing with the same points as like 10-15% of the field that are playing that stack also. Right, Derek Guerrero said, wouldn't it make more sense to just use the lowest owned player as the stack percentage, including 100% in stacks for that player? That would be the max projection of ownership for the stack in reality. True, but it's not much different from other lineups. Right, oh, this is the 2% owned stack. You, you can see just from a common sense standpoint, the Rockies that we just built that are projected way lower than this, that's a 2% owned stack. Is this really a 2% owned stack? Yeah, Arcia is 2% owned. But how many lineups contain contain these three batters? Olsen, Riley, and Acuna. Well, way more than 2% of lineups in the contest, right? So you can't just consider the lowest owned player as, oh, that's, that's what the stack percentage is, right? Oh, well, I'm going to take the best team with the highest owned players and the 1% good... Yeah, but everyone else on the everyone else in your lineup looks the same, right? How about the other four people? You take out Arcia, like how owned is that stack? Well, you're gonna be competing against a lot of lineups. That it just in those lineups, it doesn't have Orlando Arcia. It has some other one-off shortstop for a second baseman or something like that from some other team. So yes, that 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 would work if the Braves are the winning stack. And Arcia is the one that goes off, and the other one off doesn't do anything. Like you, it's one of those things, just like an NBA DFS, where I said that combinatorically, like you'd rather not have like seven of the chalkiest players in the world, and then some 0.1% don't play. Because basically, what you're saying is that I want all the chalk to do well, which means that scores are going to be ridiculous. A lot of people are sharing points, and then the only way for me to win is if the, the 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 player that no one has puts up 70 points or puts up whatever, some ridiculous amount of points. Because that's the only differentiation you have. So you can't just go in and go like, oh, well, now once I have RC in the lineup, it's a 2% on stack. It's not, because the other four players from the Braves are in a lot more lineups also, right? Putting RC there at 2% is the, the functional equivalent of putting just a one-off guy there that's 2% on. It's not that much difference. So that's why using the average as a heuristic is much better than just the, just the lowest owned player. Because you have to take into account all the other players and all the other players in the stack. And that's where you compare stacks to one another. Is this stack higher or lower owned than it should be? Right? We could build lineups, for instance. I'm going to build, I went into the stack rules. 
right? 5X, you know, I'm just, I'm just, you could build whatever combination you want. I'm just using this as an example. I just put in like 5% of anything for a five-man stack for 100 lineups just to see that, compare all the teams to one another, right? So let's build 100 lineups like that. Who cares about the pitchers? We're not looking, we're not looking at the pitchers right now. Just looking at five-man stacks. And what's the average, average ownership of the stack versus the projection, right? That's kind of, that's kind of what we're looking at. Don't worry about the one-offs yet, right? We're just looking at stack dynamics. NBA, you don't have to do this. NBA, you just look at a lineup, you look at a lineup. There really isn't much correlation to be concerned about. And you can't expect the field to have any type of correlated element in their lineup. MLB, you do. So playing playing Ronald Acuna as a one-off, you have to know that a lot of Ronald Acuna lineups have other Braves in it. So if the Braves do well, even if Acuna puts up 36 points and you're like, yeah, I got Acuna, but the Braves put up 14 runs and Olsen and Riley are also doing well. It's like your Acuna one-off doesn't really mean much. Okay, so here we go. So we have in lineup HQ, obviously the top projected right now is the Braves against against a, a Patrick Corbin. So I could go to the stack summary. It's kind of my, my, my lineups are kind of like bunched up. Not sure why it's looking like this. I guess they're testing. Oh, I can move this over a little. I can close this. Okay, that's maybe a little bit better. Yeah. I think we need to fix the column types here, right? Like this should been, shouldn't be so wide. We could look at all of our lineups here. So we could go to like an Atlanta stack, okay? So let's go to let, let's let's go to a Atlanta stack. One sixty seven forty six is the total ownership, but the average ownership is like Murphy twelve, Albies fourteen, Riley eighteen, Harris twelve, Acuna seventeen. Okay, so what I'm going to do is we have five we have five lineups from each of these. I'm I'm going to go and I'm going to take the highest the highest projected ones of all of them. So I'm just going to remove. Can I just do that automatically? What, what we have? How many teams? Eleven. Can I? Can I make this even easier? Fifty. Can I do what? Twenty-two. How many teams do we have? Twenty-five. Let's see if I can get line of HQ to actually just build one lineup for each team or close to it. Maybe difficult. But let's see if I could do it instead of getting rid of lineups. So I just want to compare like the top projected lineup of each stack to each other. Oh, here we go. Yeah, this this four. Okay, here we go. There's four Atlanta ones. So we'll get rid of the the bottom of the Atlanta to each other. Okay. So this is just one of like almost pretty much almost every team. So here's a here's a Brave stack. Brave stack. We see as what twelve around fourteen average ownership at one twenty four point eight one total. Here's a twins. This looks like a twin stack, right? That projects for seven points. Looks like about almost seven points. Yeah, about seven points lower, right? But what's the ownership of this stack? Three percent, three percent, ten percent, two percent, four percent. Okay, what's the average of that? Three plus three, six, plus 10, 16, 17, 18, 22, divided by five, four and a half-ish, okay? 
So you're sacrificing seven points for the difference between four, a 14% owned stack to a four four and a half percent owned stack. Right? Given the fact, if you obviously if you jam in the you know the top options for in all the other spots, right? Here's a similar one. Here's one that's another seven points lower projected. This is a Padres stack. What what is its ownership on average? Three plus three is six. Six plus seven is 13. 13 plus six is 19 plus 15 is 34 divided by five. So it's like almost 7%, right? So this stack on average is like 7% on. It's primarily guided by, by, by Juan Soto being owned. So you can take a look at this line. It's like the projection difference between the the twin stack and the Padre stack is not, it's not dramatic. I mean, it's, it's, it's slightly better, slightly better by a half a point. So given the fact that the twin stack is lower owned than the Padre stack, and it would make, to me, make more sense to play, given the choice, the twin stack over the Padre stack, right? We go down to the next one. Here's a line of 116.87. So now we're like eight points behind the Braves. And this is the Orioles. Seven plus eight is 15. Plus one is 16. Plus two is 18. Plus Cedric Mullins is 11. That's 29, 30-ish. So it's about six, five and a half, six percent on stack. On average, are the are the, the Orioles. We go down to 115.95. This is the Pirates. Choi, three. Castro, two. So that's five. O'Neill Cruz is 13. That's 18. Sawinski is two. That's 20. Brian Reynolds is eight. So we're talking about like another about five and a half percent owned stack. Assuming you jam in the best projected plays around him, which happen to be the Braves. And McClanahan and Burns being 30% owned up top. So going through all of this, I mean, you could determine, you could go, let's go down all the way down to the bottom. Right, the lowest project. This is one hundred four point five one. Right, so how much lower? This is twenty points lower projected. And this is the Cardinals: Goldschmidt, Gorman, Arenado, Edmund, Jordan Walker. Assuming this is, these are the lineups. Remember, we're using just an example. This is two days in advance as an example. Three plus two is five. Plus two is seven. Plus two is nine. Plus four. 13, 14, by two and a half percent owned as a stack. But it's projected for like 10 points. Like, dude, we looked at the twins. The twins were like, what, three or four percent owned as that stack? And project for like 10 points higher. Are the Cardinals worth it? Probably not. The Cardinals are probably over owned. Even though they're going to be low owned, they're probably over owned at these numbers, assuming these numbers are accurate. We look at the, the Cubs. The Cubs are even lower owned, right? Look, look at this. 1%, 1%, 2%, 1%, 1%. Average ownership is probably what? One and a half, 1.7%. But of course, it, it projects for like 19 points lower than the Braves. Even, well, even using the Braves in the lineup, right? You need to use three Braves in order to get the projection up on this. All right, we go to the, the, the Nationals. 106. Projection. 
So probably still, yeah, we're still talking about like a 2% owned stack. Like these are teams that even though they are low owned, they they actually may be over owned. If these numbers are accurate, assuming these numbers are accurate. But what's another thing that I talked about when it comes to correlation last week? Correlation in baseball is strong for batters that you're going to get like a 10, 15, 20% boost Every time you add another batter to your lineup from the same team. And as a heuristic, I, I typically use the, the one swing of the bat heuristic. If two lineups are within one swing of the bat of each other and they're correlated, they're not all that far apart from each other. I mean, they're not, they're not close. I mean, a difference of 14 points in median projection is a lot. But from a GPP perspective, like, dude, can, can, the, can the twins, like we see here with the Braves and the twins, right? This twin stack. Like, it's a seven times difference in ownership, stack average-wise. But it's like, are the Braves going to put up more runs than the twins more than than seven seven x of the time probably not. The twins are probably under owned compared to this. And how much projection difference is this? We're talking about what seven points. That's an RBI double between five batters. Between obviously in a correlated fashion, it's easier to make up that projection because right Miranda gets on base, Vasquez hits a home run. The Twins all, the Twins put up eight runs, 10 runs, and they're not getting four at-bats each. They're getting five at-bats. Gallo and Correa may have six at-bats. So you can make up that seven points, no problem. The Braves have a bad game, and they only, you know, Alzi Albies only has three at-bats because the Braves only put up one run. Easy to make up. Seven points in projection. Fourteen points is a solo home run. So you can make you can make up a you can make up that one swing of the bat. Twenty eight points is two swings of the bat. Twenty points is like like one extra. You can make up twenty points in projection just by having your batters all get one additional plate appearance. That's it. All of your bat. You need all all of the five batters in the stack. You know how that happens by the team scoring a lot of runs, right? Because they're getting up the bat. Not getting out. So, like, none of these lineups are like bad. Like, in the large field GPP, you could still play the Cardinals. Probably overowned based on these numbers. The difference in projection between the best Braves lineup and the best Cardinals lineup is 20 points. In NBA, you'd never do that because the because the lineups aren't correlated. You wouldn't play four Cardinals, right? You wouldn't, in, in, in NBA, you wouldn't play five guys from the same team. At efficient pricing. Be like, how do they all get there at the same time? They're not positively correlated to each other. In baseball, they are positively correlated to each other. So this 2% owned stack, three and a half, whatever percent owned stack. That the card the Cardinals are the team that puts up 12 runs, then most likely they win. How often does that happen in comparison to their ownership? That's essentially what you do. We'll have Slate IQ, right, ready, which is a tool for premium members. 
where where Jimino sets up and, and Eric takes care of that or Tuttle. They run they run simulations of the slate. How often does a stack of this team, not in necessarily the individual batters or whatever, just a stack of this team end up in the optimal in the nut lineup, the highest possible lineup. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As a stack. And may say on Slight IQ, based on our, our projections and our simulations, 8%. What's this? What's the average of the stack? Well, the average is 4%. Well, that means it's under-owned as a heuristic. Oh, the, Brave, the Braves have the highest chance of being the, the optimal stack, the top stack. We have the, we have the Braves at 10% likely to be the top, top stack. Well, what's the average ownership of the Braves? Well, 14%. That means it's overowned. Doesn't mean you can't play it. It's just that if you play, if you play that the Brave stack, you're gonna have to get find a way to make up that leverage elsewhere. Whether in your one-offs, your three-man stack, or whatever you're using in the other three spots in your baseball lineup or in by pitcher. It's probably not not the bet the, the highest EV move. To play an overowned stack with an overowned pitcher, two overowned pitchers and an overowned one-off, right? You're going to be combinatorically sharing points with so many more lineups than you need to. That you could be slightly different, be slightly, you could be a half a point different in projection and be a three v three from that, right? You could be two points in projection and be a four v four. I mean, like it's baseball. Making up two or three points in projection is 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 nothing. It's a walk. It's a single. It's a run. Out of eight batters, and then you have pitchers. It's it's a strikeout. It's the lack of that. It's it's one earned run given up by the chalky pitcher versus not from the other pitcher. Like that. That's how small the margins are. So it's not like NBA DFS where the the player outcomes are are very normally distributed. These player outcomes in baseball are nowhere near normally distributed. And these more bimodal projected sports going by and judging your lineup by solely the median projection is not is not is not is not nearly as accurate. It's something they got it's something. 
Yes, it's better than nothing. It's better than zero. Remember, I always say, you got to turn player names into numbers somehow. Right? All of these are blunt methodologies. These aren't precise methodologies. So using a median projection is still better than using none. But it's very similar to when I talk about MMA on Fridays, and we don't talk about, well, this lineup projects for three points lower than this one. It's like, dude, MMA is, like, no one scores these medians. It's like, it's very rare. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we, we're going to see, we're going to see Chidi and Jaquani scored like 68 points. It's like, that. when, when does he ever score that? Like, he's either going to get a first-round knockout or he's going to score nothing, right? doesn't score 60. He scores like 10 or 90. The same thing happens in baseball. The projections are much more bimodal, which means I'm much more likely to go by Slate IQ and go, well, what do the simulations say that the, the likelihood of this team being the top stack? How much are they owned in comparison to that number? Oh, they're oh they're overowned. Oh, they're underowned. I'll be more likely to play underowned teams. I'm going to gain relative value by playing underowned teams and underowned pitchers and underowned one-offs and whatever. But you also have to balance that against raw points also. We may have a pitcher on the slate. It's uh, 30% owned, but they really should only be like 20% owned. If they're the highest raw point pitcher on the slate, like, yeah, I could I could play them. It's just I don't necessarily want to play them with the chalkiest stack also. And if I do play the chalkiest pitcher with the chalkiest stack, maybe I differentiate by having a three-man stack of, you know, some 2% owned team with them. And an SP2, that's 5% owned and not 20% owned. I'm going to give up project. Maybe that lineup projects for nine, 10 points lower. Nine, 10 points. What's is, is that underneath the threshold of a swing of the bat? Yes. So go for it. That should be fine. If the other players in your lineup are under owned. Because you want to mix. You can't just play all, oh, everyone's under. I'm going to play all 1% owned players. That's more likely this actually that's more likely to see succeed in baseball than it is in basketball or in other sports in NFL. But most likely you don't need that. Because of the bimodal nature of, of hitters, obviously I'm more inclined to fade or be light on overowned stacks and definitely overowned one-offs. Like if Ronald Acuna is going to be the most highest owned player on an 11 game slate, like I'm less likely to use them as a one-off. I'll use them in the Brave stack because I get the correlation benefits of that. And I'm eliminating the amount of lineups that I'm competing against. But like Ronald Acuna, because he's so correlated with Riley, Albies, Murphy, Harris, whoever. If Acuna does well, most likely the Braves have done well. So me having Ronald Acuna at 20 points at 17% owned doesn't do me much if I'm not playing him with other Braves. So that's why typically, typically, and you'll hear on shows, you'll see her on shows on Roto Grinders often. That people that batter one-off batters, many of many of our analysts are like, I'd, I'd, I'm less likely to play them as one-offs. I don't want to play a chalky one-off batter. 
pitcher, that's fine because pitchers are, are much more normally distributed outcomes than batters. And if you're going to play a if you're going to play a chalky batter, it's much better to play them in the stack, share points with less of the field, and get the positive benefits of correlation than doing it without. So that's why I look through some of these lineups and I go, it's like, like, yeah, like, like here's a lineup with those twins and Acuna, Riley, Albies. Yeah, yeah, sure. If they're correlated, I can play all three together. That's fine in this type of lineup. But it's like, if I took out, if I took out Riley and Albies, it's like, I'm much more likely to not play any Braves in this type of lineup because I'm already playing like the two chalkies pitchers. Like, I don't mind sacrificing projection to not play Braves because if Acuna, Riley, and Albies do do well, it's quite po- probable Olsen does well and Michael Harris does well, and I don't have them. And they may be over-owned. I'm, I'm just using the example. I don't know if they are. I don't know if this, this ownership is over or under. I'm just I'm just saying that if that, that was the case. So MLB is about building lineups, using stacks, and you could use average ownership as as a heuristic. But treating the stack, your mindset when it when the, when you're treating the stack is that they come as a block. You go, okay, I'm using this block. How many other lineups are using this block or a block similar to that? Right? Oh well, uh, well. Not many people are using this block because I have this 2% on guy batting ninth. It's like, yeah, but there, how about take away him? How about the, the block of four? Oh, a lot of people are using that block of four. It's like, okay. Well, combinatorically, you're sharing points. Anytime one of those four players does well, like in combination, you're you're with like 15% of the lineups in the contest. And how many of the lineups that have these Braves, the Braves five man, has Corbin Burns in the lineup? Has Shane McClanahan in the lineup? And once you start adding these things in together, you could you start to see that like like out of out of the fourteen percent of lineups that have a brave stack, like more than half have at least one of these two pitchers. So they kind of work in combination with one another. And you you'd rather to gain relative value to gain expected value in the in the GPP, you want to share the least points while still getting a lot of points, that you can. And a way that you could also kind of spy on what combination players are being used more together, especially from players, from users that utilize projections, is to basically just run out, run out 300 lineups that have different stack combinations. Right, you have multiple sets of three hundred because you can do that in lineup HQ. So you run out, you run out three, you run out three hundred a couple of times. But then you see what players are correlated to each other between the lineups, and in theory, a DFS, right, for advanced players, our custom Excel tools, which you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. You could use what we call the portfolio correlation matrix. So I could build out 1,500 lineups. I could build out 1,500 Brave stacks, right, of different five-man combinations. Then go, what? what's the correlation? What's the R of one player to the other, right? 
You could see that within the Braves, right? You may you may see that like, oh, the correlation between in a Brave stack between Acuna and Ozzy Albies could be like 0.92. And you could see that Austin Riley's 0.74. Michael Harris is 0.48. You could see like, oh, inside of the stack, obviously Orlando Arcio lived the lowest correlation between all the other Braves because he projects lower. And then you could look at that and go, well, how many lineups that have Acuna have Corbin Burns in it? How many lineups that have Acuna have Shane McClanahan in it? And you could see, and you go, oh, well, most of these Brave stack end up with, you know, Corbin Burns maybe 0.7. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, most of these Braves are going to contain Burns, but maybe not as much Shane McClanahan. And then you go, okay, well, my Braves lineups, I'm not going to play Burns, but I'll still play Shane McClanahan. So I'm going to be sharing less points with less of the lineups. But of course, you're, you're utilizing the fact that, you know, other people are using projections of some type. So like what I would do is it's like I aggregate a bunch of sets of projections. Right? We have RG projections. We have the BAT projections. There are other places that have projections. And then go as an aggregate. What are these chalky lineups going to look like, right? We did that in NBA. We've done that before. We've had past shows where we've said, oh, what players are more tied to Jokic lineups? What players are more, the other spots are tied to Harden lineups or tied to Luka lineups? And maybe avoid as many of those combinations. So you'd much rather be a 6v6 off of more people than a 2v2 off of more people. Well, the same applies in MLB DFS and, and the effects are even bigger because of correlation. Because imagine so many of these Braves, let's say the Braves go off, but Corbin Burns gets killed. And maybe half of the ha- maybe half of the Brave stacks have Burns in it. So does those lineups, it doesn't matter to win first place. Yay, you got the Braves. Way to go. But you can't win first with a minus eight from Corbin Burns. And so many of those Brave stacks have Corbin Burns in it. Right? They're reliant on other things. Some of those Brave stacks may have Brandon Belt as a one-off at first base. Who knows? Who knows? Depending on what the projections are and everything. Using the portfolio correlation matrix or just simply building 300 lineups and seeing who shows up. I mean, you could literally do it ma- more manually. Go into the stacks and go, I'm just going to build 100% Brave stacks. Build 300 of them with no, with no, with all the defaults. And then see anything other than Braves, what does it look like? Right. How much how much exposure do you get to, to all any other player that's not on the Braves? And if you see someone that's like, oh, I I built 300 Braves lineups, and out of the 300 top Braves lineups with five man stacks, Corbin Burns is in 98% of them. Well, you know what you could surmise from that? That a lot of Braves stacks are gonna have Corbin Burns in the lineup, right? Right? That that you could do that without having an Excel tool or anything run that for you. You could do it bluntly that way. Just may take more time if you're running, you know, 300 of this and 300 of that. You're doing it, you know, one by one or something like that. But the portfolio correlation matrix, you know, what I'll do is that typically I'll, I'll run, I could, I could run 300 lineups with all the stacks. And then take a look at, you know, I, I, I may only need like 10 lineups of each stack to go, oh yeah, out of these 10 lineups, nine have this pitcher in it or nine have this one off in it. Right, the the real outliers. 
right? Anything in the middle is not is not is not all that important. I just want to know the ones where, yeah, if people play the Twins, they're more likely to have X. If people play the Rockies, they're more likely to have this. From an extreme standpoint, if it's like middling, it's like well, said like five out of the t- out of the ten twin stacks. Burns is in six, McClanahan's in three, and and uh, Scherzer's in two, and this like, but when it's like oh, 10 out of ten, it's like yeah, because the projection is you know one point higher than any other pitcher, and it's just jamming that in ten times to be like okay, so people that are playing the Twins are more likely to have to be jamming in that pitcher. It doesn't mean you can't play that lineup. It just means now, now your one-off has to be different. Now your other parts of the, you have to find differentiation somewhere. So you're not sharing the same stack with the same pitchers with the same one-off. And now next thing you know, you're a 2v2 off of 200 different lineups that you're competing with, right? You may look at a 20,000 person field contest and go, well, this stack is only being played by 1% of the field. Okay, that's 200. That's still 200 lineups. You're still competing. If that stack goes off for a million runs, you're still you're still 200 line. You can you come in 200th place. And since all of the equity that's worth the crap is at the very top, the difference between coming in 200th place and coming in 10th place is a lot. And the difference between coming in 10th place and first place is a lot. The difference between coming in fifth place and first place is a lot. So wouldn't you rather, even amongst the 200 lineups that you have with this 1% owned stack, would you rather share that out of the 200 lineups? It's like, oh yeah, my lineup looks the, uh, out these, yes, yeah, sure. You have the same five people right in the stack, but it's like, oh yeah, 150 of us all share the same SP1 and a hundred of us share the SP1 and the SP2. And 75 of us also shared this one-off thing. Like, and then next thing you know, it's like you're rooting for the one guy in your lineup that separates yourself from 75 other people. But it'd be much more much more productive to not share any of those people with anyone. I mean, not share as many. But you're the only one with that SP2 out of the 200. But there's only five people that have this guy out of the 200 rather than share the same players in the, sh- in the same combinatorical structure of your lineup. Defix says the dreaded clumping. Yeah, that's the problem with also using optimizers and building those types of lineups. And MLB is getting is, is the clumping problem. We could talk more about the, the use, utilizing the tools to build portfolio sets of lineups uh, later in the week or next week or whenever. If you have any questions about lineup HQ, Submit those as well, questions at theoryofdfs.com. If you go on our our, our the, uh, channel on YouTube, uh, Dave Potts, Cheese is Good, did a couple of tutorials on Lineup HQ. You can go on the Road to Grinders website. I did a bunch of tutorials. Britt Devine has done a bunch of tutorials. We've added certain little features here and there uh, since some of the tutorials were recorded like two or three years ago. But most of the functionality is the same, so... You're more than happy to go through and and take a look. I have to take a look, see what's going on with the lineups page. Okay, see, this now, now this is what it's supposed to look like, right? It's just that my broadcast, because anytime I, when I broadcast, I have all these windows open. So this window is actually, that, that I'm showing on screen is actually smaller 
than what I would normally look at. But now this looks, now this looks fine, right? Stack some. Yeah, it's just the stack. Yeah, the stack and the, con- okay. Player exposures, it's fine. So I have to go to the development team and say like, why, why is this so wide? Like we don't, we don't, we don't need all of this. And the end button. I don't even know what that does. Okay. Everything's breaking. That's not good to show on the show. I don't know what, the- <laughs> is it breaking? I just reload this. I never, I never thought that there was an edit button there. Maybe, maybe they're working on something. I have no idea. Right. Like that's, that's just said. I'm, I'm starting in ML and MLB. Like, you know, this is my first look also. Like, oh, a lineup makes you any little improvements that were made or anything like that. We go to lineups. Yeah, the lineups are still there. I guess it's it's kind of a weird. Why why is there why is an edit button here? I don't know why that edit button. I'm gonna have to ask what that edit button does. Combo summary? Yeah, there's nothing here. Stack summary. What's this edit button? If I click on it, it'll say something's wrong. That's new. I don't know what it does. Right? But the, now now the play, now this looks normal, right? It's supposed to, it's supposed to not take up this much space, but I don't know. Maybe I have to just increase the size of my window. May just be a window problem. Okay. We'll be talking more about leverage tomorrow. This is part one. Part one. This is, you know, general ownership, line of construction based leverage. We'll be talking about direct leverage tomorrow. Meaning, you know, what players are negatively correlated with one another and how you take advantage of that to increase the relative value of your lineup in GPPs. So submit your questions anytime you want. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. You can pick up those Excel tools. I'll be showing them. I'll be showing you, dude, the next week, couple of weeks, months, I'll be showing these tools on this, on the show like numerous times, right? This is just a primer series. I don't want to I don't want to ma- make the primer all about tools because like you should be able to conceptually build one lineup by hand with all these concepts as it is. Right. So you focus on the concepts first. The tools are just efficiency based of how do how do how do I build the hundred of these as quickly as possible with these concepts in mind. Right. But you need to know the concepts before you know to set the tools so they build the lineups that you that you want to build. Right. The, the, the lineup builder doesn't know anything. It doesn't have a brain. You have to make it build the stuff that you want it to build. Hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door. Hit the thummy thumb. Smash the thumbs up button. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit everything you want. We got an NBA slate, right? There's an NBA to this. The people are Lillard's out. Everything. I I see it in my Twitter feed. It's like I'm 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 happy. Like I'm happy. I get to now come back to actually playing a daily DFS sport, right? Basically, for the, na- for the past three months, it's been like soccer and MMA, which is kind of like once a week, like each or like once or maybe twice a week for soccer. MMA is once a week, unless they're off like this weekend. So it's nice to come back and say, oh, okay, I could have something to do. Something to do every day now. MLB DFS. And then also it is a prop betting is back, right? So I'll probably be up at like one in the morning looking at the prize picks and the underdog boards up early in the morning, right? Before the show, like before the show, before the DFS pregame show, I'll probably be hitting some underdog stuff, right? Comparing that to the bat projections, strikeout props, pitcher outs, stuff like that. Uh, and we could we could talk about that on the show also. So if you any, got any questions about prize picks, underdog, prop betting, non-DFS related, 
right? You could send that a note. That's that's part of this whole scope of what we do here, right? We got the scores and odds YouTube channel for all your betting needs. So you can subscribe over there. And uh and I'll see you tomorrow with the second part of MLB DFS leverage and answering your questions like I like I always do here. Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.